What's going on, everyone? It is your boy Lamar Hardy coming back to you guys live with another podcast, the Two Fingers Podcast. And today we have a very, very special guest, a very special person to us. My special guest is my cousin, Miss Fallon Farrell, on my father's side. Her grandmother and my grandmother were actually sisters. And so her mother and my father are first cousins. So I don't know if that makes us somewhat distant second cousins. I really don't know the tree on there, but nonetheless, we're blood, we're family, and we're so happy for her to be here. So if everyone in our studio audience can just, you know, give her a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have a lovely audience here. Fallon, thank you for being here with us. We're truly appreciative of what you're doing here. If you want, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, so my name is Fallon. I am originally from Houston and I am one of the managing partners for Black Restaurant Week. Um, a little background, I am a graduate of Florida a University, um, spent some time in New York, New Jersey area after college, but really had a passion for just uh, marketing and small businesses. So I moved back to Texas in 2013 and just honestly through volunteering and being involved in the community between the, um, the Houston Area Urban League and then the Greater Houston Black Chamber, I was able to meet my two current business partners, Warren Luckett and David uh, Derek Robinson. And uh, just been rocking and rolling with them ever since. Um, so we created Black Restaurant Week in 2016 in Houston <clears throat> as a way to really highlight the Black culinary industry. Um, we have a really robust Houston Restaurant Week that lasts for like a month and has over like 200 restaurants. But when you really looked at the listing, it wouldn't be very diverse. Um, you wouldn't see a lot of Black-owned businesses and not because they were excluded. It's just because they really didn't fit the business model you know, of like the three course, two course wait staff restaurant. Um, we have a lot more casual, fast casual counter serve restaurants in our community. And so we wanted to figure out a platform that was really all inclusive for those restaurants, as well as for food trucks and bakeries and caterers. And how do you really create a space for everybody to shine? Mm -hmm. And that was essentially um, how Black Restaurant Week started. Uh, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Fallon, we're so glad for you to be here. Um, two things on that. Let's uh, go back to your educational school. So your HBCU fam, you, um, I know she's actually out here with us this week uh, in the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia. So of course we got to shout out the, the truest of truest <laughs> HBCUs, Howard University, right? Because everyone knows that we are number one, you know, what you say, HU, you know, <laughs> Um, but also just kind of touch on um, the Houston aspect. You said you guys do a huge Houston, uh, I guess, event down there. And, you know, I guess the saying goes is there's no barbecue like there is in Houston. Is is it are you doing a lot of that or what's going on down there? Yeah. So actually, our Houston campaign is is probably one of our biggest campaigns we do. But Houston is a really great culinary scene. Um, it's actually coined itself uh, the culinary capital of the South. And it really speaks to the diversity of foods you find in Houston as well. So we have like one of the largest Nigerian populations in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, you also have the Creole, um, you know, kind of flavors coming in from Louisiana. You have your Southern soul food, even in barbecue, 
you know, there's Texas style barbecue, but you have Tennessee style as well as Chicago style. So, I mean, Houston is a really great culinary city. I, I just, you know, if you are in the mood to eat, <laughs> I always mm-hmm. tell people that's the best thing to do in Houston. You can literally come here, spend four or five days just hopping around. Um, we have a great Vietnamese population. So, I mean, there's just literally something um, for anyone to enjoy when it comes to the culinary space. So it's kind of like a big old melting spot aspect. And is it during your events, do you guys host like any competitions, whether it's culturally, uh, regional wise, you know, you you named a, diff- a bunch of different places with a bunch of different styles. Um, do you guys hold, host competitions or promote yeah. friendly so, competition? Actually, so um, what makes our Black Restaurant Week campaign um, very unique is that we host uh, culinary events as well. So when we founded in 2016, um, the Restaurant Week is essentially the foundation of the week. Um, it, you know, that's what we do anywhere we go. At bare minimum, we're going to do a Restaurant Week. Um, but we also host other events because, like I said, we really looked at the culinary industry as a whole and was like, well, how can we help everybody? So we have the Nash Culinary Showcase, which is essentially a culinary competition highlighting caterers, private chefs, and bakeries. Um, It's an all-you-can-eat affair. Um, In Houston, we had over like 20 food stations, so it's very hard to eat at every one, (laughs) but people people try. But uh, you essentially get to come in, taste all this amazing food, and then vote on your favorite. We have special judges that um, provide different prizes for categories such as like best sweets, um, best, you know, best healthy bite, uh, best um, overall bite, best display. We're hosting two more of these uh, this year. Um, We have one in Atlanta, and we also are hosting one in Los Angeles. So um, really a great space for caterers and chefs to kind of get their name out. And the beauty is of the business opportunities that come from that. We've had Mm -hmm. um, restaurants that have actually gotten contracts with the convention center um, from Mm -hmm. doing this event, as well as contracts with law firms. We've seen caterers network with each other and then go after major uh, contracts together. So it's really a, a great space to kind of see what comes out after the event. Um, we also host a national cocktail competition uh, called Power of the Palette, which is all for the bartenders to give them some shine. Um, mm. There are some really dope bartenders in this country doing really great things with uh, cocktails. And so um, it's, it's on pause this year, but the past two years, like We've had 16 different cities activated within the competition, um, all battling out. It was like a March Madness style, like each round they were doing different cocktails based on different themes, such as like um, one was called like Herb and Flow, where they had to drink, create a cocktail that had herbs in it uh, based okay. off of the lyrics of a rap song or something like it's it <laughs> still kind of like relates to the culture. Um, actually, the D.C. Um, Moniker, the DC bartender last year, her cocktail was called the cookout and it was like a play, um, kind of like on a cookout drink. She mm-hmm. had it in a, a watermelon and she used mambo sauce in the recipe. Oh. So it's just like, you know, every time see steak we, there. Yeah, we talk about the cocktail competition, people assume it's like juicy juice drinks, but no, these are like really sophisticated culinary cocktails and every time our judges and our chefs are like blown away by what the bartenders are putting in a glass, you know? Um, 
So that's that's another cool thing we do. We also do a food truck festival because you can't forget the food trucks. And that's like mm-hmm. a family friendly event. Um, we used to do it in Houston. We would have like 3000 people come out. We have like 12 food trucks. They will all sell out of food like because that, you know, it was it was crazy. The every year the trucks would bring more food and they would still sell out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that's. Um, that's kind of like all of the events we do. And then we mm-hmm. do other just random, not random, but other just great activations. For instance, in D.C., um, for our finale kind of event, we have a Ready to Love with the OWN Network. We partner with them and we're doing a watch party mm-hmm. um, date night at uh, Creole on the 14th where, you know, couples could come out. Um, get some complimentary appetizers, watch the season launch of um, Ready to Love. So, you know, our title for our campaign this year is more than just a week. And it kind of speaks to this conversation, how we just activate Mm -hmm. the culinary spaces, all these different ways. And there's always something for someone to really find a way and find a space to kind of showcase who they are um, in the culinary space on our platform. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and for those of you guys who don't know, who are listening, the OWN Network, Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, so that's a big, that's a huge thing. And it seems like you guys are almost kind of a, a catalyst for other people. Um, it seems like that's how you guys go about your business is finding a way to, you know, not only grow yourself, but, you know, empower those and, you know, stimulate others as well. Correct. Is, is that what I'm kind of getting? Yeah. So we tell our corporate partners all the time. I mean, <clears> really the it's really the gift that keeps on giving, right? We always tell them we're not interested in just a logo placement. Like, what are we going to do to drive more business to the restaurants? Um, What are different things we could do to activate the restaurants? If you think about food, it's just a part of everything you do. Um, Meetings, you know, if you're in corporate functions, they have contracts uh, for diversity businesses and a restaurant is an easy way to kind of fulfill some of those quotas. it's just, I mean, we have some great stuff coming up, uh, essentially with NASCAR, where we're doing some food truck activations for NASCAR. I mean, it's so many ways that you could activate the food space. Um, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it. So we, every year, you know, we talk to a corporate partner and we're just like, what else you got? What else you got? You know, <laughs> just keep yeah. like digging down and, and finding cool ways to kind of activate our database of uh, culinary partners. Awesome. 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 And kind of touch base on it. You know, I don't know if you know this, Cuzzo, but your boy was a bartender before. And there's a reason why he they call him Chef Boy Hardy, man. I get down in the kitchen. It's <laughs> a play on words, but I, I get down in the kitchen. <laughs> well, yeah, so I will I would definitely have to pull up to Houston, grill a little bit, see what I could do. I'll get some of the grill masters out there, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like I said, we hope to bring back the cocktail competition next year. And so it is really competitive, um, which is really amazing. And like I said, I mean, these are like some of the best bartenders in the country. So, you know, it's funny when they don't make it to the next round. They're always in their feelings. And we're like, I mean, but you're literally going against like the best of the best. Like, this is great. Like, this is what it's for. And, you know. They get over it, but it's it's always interesting watching that process, you know. Man, so it's like it's a it's a sport to them basically. That's their that's their talent, that's their niche, and uh, they they train for that. I, so do yeah. they do 
Do they do like the flips too? Are any other bartenders doing no. like the tricks? No, they no. don't go that far. It's really okay. about the the recipe because honestly, when you understand the spirits industry mm-hmm. and you understand just um, bars and lounges, period, like it's you know it's all about moving cases. So it's about what's a really solid drink that's going to enhance the flavor of the the liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, but also something that's really enjoyable for the consumer. And so it is a, a fine balance because you don't want something too complex because no one has time to make that at the bar, right? Um, but you don't want something too juicy juice because so much sugar is going to overpower the actual spirit. So I've learned a lot just by watching mm-hmm. the judges judge. I mean, you know, everything from drink presentation to how clean the station is. I mean, you would be surprised, but you know, they have to judge on something because all the drinks are so good. They have to figure out what is the thing that's going to separate them. Sometimes it's the the storytelling with the cocktail. Um, Right. You know, it's, it's a whole bunch of factors, but uh, last year we had like a corner store challenge and, you know, one of the bartenders, he used Sour Patch Kids and created like a whiskey sour out of it. Like it's, mm-hmm. like I said, okay. they're really, it's really interesting watching the creativity. Um, we're creative me and my business partner, Derek, and even Warren. So I, as a creative, I understand people assume that creativity comes when it's a wide open space. And actually it comes when you create a box. And right. then tell them to create outside of the box. Exactly. You know? yeah. So just giving them the different themes and watching how they would take that theme and like make a cocktail with it. It's it's always kind of fun to watch. Awesome. Well, again, great to hear that. That's that's a lot of good stuff. Um, so kind of flipping gears because you know, I kind of want to get more in depth of who you guys are and what your business is. So going forward, so you all are up here. Um, in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. So what are you, what are some things that you are looking forward to both within your business perspective of it? So what you're coming up here to do and, you know, for leisure too, what is, what are some things that you and your, your fellow entrepreneurs are looking forward to doing um, here in the district? Yeah. So um, we're hosting Black Restaurant Week in uh, the Washington, D.C. and Baltimore region from July 18th through the 31st. Um, We have 100 businesses participating in the region. And so I I think it's, you know, A, we're looking for people to come out and support (laughs) the restaurants um, because that's the most important but um, we also love actually visiting the restaurants ourselves. Um, restaurant tours have such unique stories. It's a very passion-based business. Most, you know, the restaurant industry, um, a restaurant itself has a very tight profit margin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to understand, like, most of these people are in this business out of passion, out of necessity. Like, And so it's always great just to sit down and meet the owners and talk to them and kind of just understand like what they're doing and why they're doing it. And of course that comes across in the food. Um, So, you know, for us, we love just kind of hopping around to the different restaurants and networking and mixing and mingling with people. Um, It also helps us too, is like I said, all these other great opportunities come along. You know, now we're able to say, oh, okay, well, in D.C., we know this dope concept that we can in- include in this activation right. or things like that. So um, that's always probably the most important. It's just like getting a chance to meet everyone. So we activated D.C. Um, originally in 2020. So it was right in the heart of COVID. And so we really didn't get a chance to travel 
of course, um, the past two years. So this is our first time actually hosting a campaign and being able to come into the city and kind of meet everyone. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to just do that. Also, I was, someone asked me uh, today, a reporter was like, you know, what do you see in the DC food? And I'm like, well, just doing all the stuff on the website, I see y'all really like burgers. And she just started laughing. I was <laughs> like, you know, and it's kind of, you don't think about it, but I mean, there's some markets we go to and it's just like chicken and waffles everywhere, you know, right. when you go to other markets uh, like LA, of course they have a great vegan scene, but they also have a lot of taco places, Tacos, yeah. you know? And so you just, um, it's basically it's regional and geographic, right? Like based yeah. on you know demographic for sure. Yeah, so you kind of get to just really understand all the different flavors of these regions, and so you know, DC is definitely hitting on this all American style um, kind of cuisine. Of course, we still have some African uh, restaurants participating as well as some Caribbean spots, uh, but I'd probably say that was the most interesting thing I've seen so far. And then, of course, all the seafood, the crab cakes. I was about to get to you. I was about to say, wait a minute. I was like, you missed one key. I was like, the crabs and the seafood boils is where we are up here, man. Yeah, yeah. Of course I was waiting for you to hit on that. And Ben's Chili Bowl, I was like, come on now. You got to get yeah. to the two biggest factors. Our Ben's Chili Bowl, seafood boils and crabs, and the mambo sauce. That's that's about it. That's but yeah, the yeah, just the DC because we're we're so diverse, right? It's the mm -hmm. nation's capital, so everything is here. So a good American cuisine style is always going to be, you know, priority here. But like you said, we are kind of diverse. Uh, we got a lot of different things going on. So uh, awesome! Anything else that you're looking forward to? I guess that's kind of more of the business side. You personally, like, are you looking forward to you know visiting certain things that you haven't seen? I know a lot of people haven't gotten the opportunity to see the African American Museum, and that's like the most impossible thing you got to be like a-list 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 to get into that thing nowadays yeah no definitely trying to visit that um also um i'd be remiss if i didn't mention we are uh doing this campaign in conjunction with the national urban league conference and mm. i don't know if you've uh, attended any of their conferences before but they're always um actually really entertaining to attend um great they do host some really great panel discussions just about things going on in our community and and really how to get involved with um, just kind of how to move us forward as a community. And so uh, that kicks off on Wednesday and I think it concludes Saturday, Friday or Saturday, but uh, you know, always kind of looking to enjoy um, some of those panels or some of the things that the Urban League has going on as well. I think Wednesday night, they're gonna be doing a, um, I don't wanna say like a march or, or a launch or something at the uh, Martin mm -hmm. Luther King um statues. monument yeah. yeah monument so so i think that's going to be it's going to i feel like this is going to be a really great week of energy you know in dc when you talk about black culture between the yeah. league and everything we're doing like it's definitely a way to kind of tap into the culture awesome well uh speaking on i guess the culture aspect of it um so these i think the there's three big nights that you're here for, right? The three, and there's like three main venues that you're going to hit. Uh, can you kind of expound on each venue and you know what's the main gist that you guys are providing there as well? Yeah, so um, since we're in the town, like I said, it's our first time really getting a chance to just, um, you know, kind of network and mix and mingle with the community. So we're hosting three mixers. Um, and because our Black Restaurant Week 
campaign as a region, we decided to kind of host it in different parts. Um, the only place we didn't get a chance to hit up is Virginia this year. So we'll definitely try to put man, that man, in man, the blitz next man, year. Man. So um, we are doing kicking off uh, tomorrow at the Delegate on the rooftop lounge um, with Light Bites, kind of like a kickoff mixer. And then from six to eight. And then on Wednesday, we'll be at All Set um, in Silver Spring. Uh, doing like a happy hour style um, mixer. And then on Thursday, we'll actually be in Baltimore at Serenity Wine Bar. They do like an open mic night. And so we'll be there um, kind of mixing and mingling from seven to nine. Um, but everything is on our website, blackrestaurantweeks.com. You could RSVP for any of the, the mixers and really just come out and, and kind of like network with everyone, you know, as well as support the, the restaurants. But outside of that, like I said, it's 100 businesses participating. Um, some are offering specials. We encourage all the restaurants to, but not all of them do. <laughs> but the reality is, too, even about the specials thing, I mean, most Black-owned restaurants really aren't that expensive. So sometimes it's like, do you really need a special to go in and support a Black-owned business? Like, the point of this project is really all about awareness, right? Most small businesses just don't have the luxury or really the financial um, space to create their own citywide marketing campaign. When you talk about radio, Facebook advertising, a publicist, like that is a very large expense to incur on a small business. And so um, while we tell the restaurants, yes, please add, you know, provide a special just to help motivate the community to come out. The real goal of this project is to create awareness in general. And so sometimes, you know, it's more just about support. Um, I could go into my soapbox, but like understanding there's no other funding coming to help save the restaurants. A lot of these restaurants are still literally on their last leg. So after recovering from the pandemic, now they're dealing with staffing shortages because if you think about it, a lot of the first line, um, workers were the ones that passed away yeah a lot of them passed away because of covid so you know there's a shortage going on in the labor area then with inflation all the food costs have increased like so yeah you know it's still not they're still not quote unquote over the hump um the rush the independent restaurant coalition was pushing for the senate to pass the restaurant revitalization bill um, just to kind of help provide some more financial support. Of course, you know, the Senate um, declined <laughs> because mm -hmm. of politics. But so I say that to say there's no help coming from them other than the community, right? And so, you know, restaurants hire first in the community. They're also the first to give back. Anytime there's some like need, they're usually donating food. So I always tell yeah. people like, let's just be a blessing to them because they, they're always there to be a blessing to the community. Um, it was this really great story when I went to Oakland. It was a little Trinidadian um, Caribbean like shop at the corner. And it was like two other businesses next to her. And she just talked about just by her opening her business, how crime went down in the area, you know, and, and how both of the businesses, one was like a barber shop and that was a little gift shop next door and how both of their sales increased just by her business opening. Right. Like, Restaurants are really like the heart and soul of the community, which speaks to our nonprofit foundation we could talk about later. But mm -hmm. that's really um, 
So I, I just encourage people, don't always look for a special, right? Just go and support <laughs> and try something new, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, and like you said earlier, you know, food is literally an essential part of life, whether you buy it at the grocery store or you buy it at a restaurant. So um, you spoke on it when the pandemic broke out, you know, you got there needs to be someone who preps the food or puts food together to get us on. And then you had a lot of essential workers who, you know, went out there and still did their job the best they could. And, you know, unfortunately, some of them passed away and others were let go because they couldn't, you know, afford to keep workers here at the job because of the shortage and everything. So, yeah, COVID definitely hit and, you know, restaurants for sure probably got hit the hardest in that in that atmosphere as well. So um, we appreciate, you know, what you guys are doing, like you said, um, giving back to those because they're always the first to give out give out to everyone else. So that is huge. That's a huge part for you all. Um, so you covered all three locations, correct? I just want to make yes. sure we did that. Yes. <laughs> so uh, check out our website, um, mm-hmm. blackrestaurantweeks.com, and um, you could definitely click on events, and you could, you know, RSVP for any of the events um, that we have going on. And we'll make sure to link your website and the events in our um, in our posts and our website as well. You guys can find that under our YouTube page or our website as well. So we'll have that all that information up for you all to go check that out and support her there. Um, kind of since we're on the topic, the pandemic, right? So you started, the business started in 2016 and I'm sure, you know, it was a bit of a grind and whatnot. You know, you guys finally, it probably felt like as soon as y'all started hitting y'all stride, the pandemic hit. So how did you guys go about handling that adversity right there? So oddly enough, we um, had our biggest expansion during the pandemic. Wow. (laughs) Um, So before when we were doing Black Restaurant Week, we were kind of going city by city. And, you know, like I said, when the pandemic hit, we had to kind of sit down and rethink, A, how are we going to really host this um, without having to travel? And and how do we really make up um, as much ground as we can? Because like I said, a lot of the restaurants, uh, we got so many testimonials that first year of the pandemic, how like this project essentially saved, you know, saved their business. So we restructured our campaign and our calendars to be more regional. Um, and so that allowed us to activate a lot more cities at once versus trying to do city by city, which is why we do Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. We activate that as a region. And so, uh, yeah, we were just blessed to actually expand. And so now we host uh, before the pandemic. I think we were hosting like six to eight campaigns and now we're up to 15. Um, we also do Toronto, Canada. So, um so it's pretty cool. So, you know, people have asked us how many cities we're in and and we just, my business partner just says we're in like 80% of the country because since we're doing regional campaigns, we may activate two or three major cities. Um, for instance, when we do the Midwest, we encompass, you know, Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, Indianapolis, like, it, you know, one day we'll count, <laughs> but as of now... Uh, it's easy, easiest for us to just say we do 15 campaigns. We start in mm-hmm. February in the Northwest, um, which is like the Seattle-Portland area. And then we end in November in Florida. So uh, literally every month we're averaging about two campaigns per month. So that's just, and what, December, you guys kind of 
regroup, rejuvenate, and try to, you know, plan for the following, the upcoming year? Or is it a continuous plan throughout the whole year? Are you guys always looking for some new opportunities as you're moving along? Or do you do yeah. like a lot of planning towards the end? No, December, we uh, don't talk to us, right? We just like, we need a month <laughs> right. to reset. Um, usually, like Florida is our last campaign and, you know, our, our family is from Florida. So my brother lives it's in Tampa. Reason. Yeah, so my brother lives in Tampa. So I literally go and just like lay on this couch for two weeks <laughs> just to reset and, you know. Um, but yeah, we kind of just start planning. January, we kick back up with like planning, Um and so it, it kind of works out, but just closing out the year and, and doing like the final impact reports and everything with our sponsors, like it's a lot of back end stuff that we do the la- after um, our last campaign in November. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, when we start up, it's like this is the height of our season. So, yes, we're doing Washington, D.C., but we've already started activating our next two campaigns, which is Atlanta and Los Angeles. So. It's literally like every day I wake up and it's like 20 things I got to respond to. And, you know, it's just like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so, um, and you said your campaign ends in November. Do you guys do any like specific holiday type campaigns? You know, November, Thanksgiving, that's food central, right? Like, do you guys associate with anything like that with holidays or specific days? Not really, because... Um, you know, the restaurants usually already have stuff going on. Um, the mm-hmm. caterers, it's their quote unquote Super Bowl season. It's um, right, right, you know, right. bakery, it's their quote unquote Super Bowl season too. So no, um, usually by then, I mean we'll by then we're kind of just pushing out content on our website, different articles, kind of doing more storytelling. Uh actually this year, though, we probably will be doing some things. We are launching our culinary marketplace called a la carte. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just like I said, being involved in the business, we realized a lot of restaurants had sauces and spices, or you would meet small businesses that sell like jams and just all these, um, there's a restaurant in Baltimore that's taking their food scraps from their seafood and turning it into fresh, uh, fresh pet food. So it's like, how do we create a space for that? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we're launching a la carte, uh, dot shop. So I think this, Fourth quarter will probably be more so pushing the marketplace um, as people are shopping for friends and family and in the kitchen, baking and doing cool things. Um, you know, it becomes a great opportunity for for that entity to kind of step up. But but yeah, normally we pretty much we're not doing any strong campaigns. Like I said, after november um and we do florida in november because of the florida classic you know in orlando but after that okay. it's pretty much like okay deuces let us just <laughs> shoot i thought she was just because florida's probably the warmest place at in november so you might as well just settle there anyways right no yeah actually so some of our markets we really call and talk to different community leaders and you know we say when do you think is the best time like we used to do new orleans around essence festival but Oddly enough, it didn't work because it was just too much going on. Yeah, I was about and, to say, that's jam-packed. Yeah, so we we moved uh, New Orleans kind of to its own place in October. But um, we usually do kind of talk to people in the community, see if it's a good fit. And so, you know, um, some of our campaigns, they just have to fit where they could fit in. But other times we, we kind of ask, like, when is the best time to host it? Awesome. Well, I know you're a busy woman. I got just two more things for you. 
And then we're going to let you go off so you can start getting your mind right and getting everything right for this upcoming week for you. So you you talked about the nonprofit. You were kind of going to expound on that. Can you expound on that a little bit more? It, what is this nonprofit? You know, what do you guys have to do with it? What is everything that, you know, circumnavigates it? Yeah, so um, our nonprofit, we founded, it's called Feed the Soul Foundation. And so, um, so we have Black Restaurant Week, and there's a sister platform called Latin Restaurant Week as well that pretty much does everything we do for the Latin community. Um, but, you know, whereas Black Restaurant Week and Latin Restaurant Week are marketing campaigns, Feed the Soul Foundation kind of picks up from the business development side. So, you know, while we could bring great attention to your business, if your operations um, just still aren't where they need to be or your business isn't sustainable, like we'll come back the next year and then your business, you know, business is closed. And so how do we kind of stop that bleeding from happening? Um, like I said, the restaurant industry is so many passion based entrepreneurs. A lot of them didn't really go to like hospitality school and culinary school. It's literally mm -hmm. like I took my grandmother's recipe and I started a restaurant. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, but there's a lot of, of learning with that. And so the foundation provides grants to businesses. Uh, they've been open for two years or more. Um, it's part of our restaurant business development program. So we give them a $10,000 cash grant as well as six months of business development um, support. So they get everything from one-on-one -on -one financial consultants. Um, we also do a whole month of marketing training. And then the last two months, they get to sit down and pick which area of their business they want cons uh, you know, consultation in. And mm -hmm. so we have everything from like menu development, like how to make sure your menu is profitable. Um, you know, we also have like business expansion. So let's say if, you're, if you have a great... Uh, you know, chicken wing concept and you want to make it into a franchise based business, like what are the steps to do that? And so I think the best thing about this program is that it's it's innovative as in it's not a one size fits all model. Like we're really letting the restaurants tell us their areas of need. And I like to tell people the misconception. Um, I think a lot of people assume you know, of course, we hear all the time like, oh, black owned businesses, they don't care about their customer service and all this other mm. BS, um, which is not true. They just don't have the resources, resources or, the, yeah. Yeah, or the support to fix it. Um, as a small business owner, you're usually putting out 30 different fires. You're the HR, you're the marketing person, you're the finance person. Like you're not a corporation. You know what I mean? Like it's just one person trying to figure all this stuff out. And so it sounds as simple as like, oh, just hire better people. But, you know, maybe you hired a great person, but you're, you didn't have the proper onboarding of that staff or you didn't have your HR system set up in a proper way to really train them to give that, you know, Chick-fil-A greeting every time someone walks in the door, right? Like that's right. all a process and it's very trained. I worked at a restaurant in Houston when I was in high school um, called Papacitos and when you go through the training to be a waiter, it's like six weeks. You have to fully learn the menu. They um, There's little things that the restaurant does just so that everyone on the restaurant floor understands what's going on. So once a customer walks in and sits down at their table, you have five seconds to greet the customer. And to let someone know that the customer has been greeted, you put a beverage napkin on the table, right? It's something so simple, right. but it's like, So, you oh. know, sorry, hello? 
Yeah, okay. we lost you real quick, but okay. you're good. Yeah, so not not everyone knows all those steps. So I said that to say um, that's the beauty of the business development program. Like we're here to help and support them and just let them know, hey, we're not in this alone. Like here are some professionals that can work with you, talk with you and make sure that your business is, you know, sustainable or, or ready to grow. Um, we also have our uh, emergency fund. So as you just think of everything that was going on from you know, all of the, the marches and stuff like that, and some of the businesses were being damaged. Or even now, for instance, there was um, this Black-owned barbecue shop in Atlanta. Someone just smashed their window literally two days ago. And so we were like, hey, you know, apply for our grant, and here's $1,000 to God. kind of help cover, you know, the, the cost of the damages. So the emergency grant is just for that. It's it's just for those things that may happen unexpectedly. And as a small business, it's like, okay, where am I going to find the money for this? And sometimes you don't always want to use your insurance or deductible or things like that. Or we had a coffee shop in LA that needed to replace one of their espresso machines, right? And so here's some money towards that. So um, that's the other thing that the, the uh, foundation does. And we also have like scholarships as well. So it's really just kind of that next step in the culinary space to support the restaurant community, let them know that, hey, you don't have to try to figure out everything by yourself. We're here to help. We have resources, we have relationships, and let's figure out how to really get things like going for you. Awesome. That, that's amazing. And that's, and that's really huge because, you know, like you said, um, when you think about a black owned business, a lot of people speak like they don't support, but that resources is huge. And, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, resources and, you know, just being black in America and how, how a lot of things you're kind of disadvantaged. And I can go into a whole history lesson. We already did that a couple episodes ago, <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, there's, there's a plenty of disadvantages with that. And the fact that you guys have, layers to your nonprofit where you have emergency funds just to, you know, help or sponsor someone or send out a quick aid to someone, but you're also, you know, being a catalyst to other business as well. So it's two faceted. So that's very impressive. And, you know, we salute you guys for that. Um, I guess the last thing we got to ask you, seeing that this is the Black Restaurant Weeks company, what, how do you get down in the kitchen? What is your go-to plate? Like, how are we, how, cause you know, for someone who throws competitions and, you know, I don't really know if you, they say you get it from grandma's hand, but I don't know if you got it from grandma's hand for real. Like what is, what is your go-to plate? How do you get down in the kitchen? Uh, I'm the baker. So at oh. all the family functions, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta bake a pound cake and okay, yeah. So it was funny. My grandfather lives in New York. And um, I used to live in Newark, New Jersey, and I would go visit him, you know, on the weekends or things like that. And, you know, he would always like, hey, can you bring a pound cake? Sure. So one time I didn't bring a pound cake. I, I forgot. I just didn't feel oh, like baking no. one. And so he <laughs> took me to the grocery store to buy all the ingredients to make him a cake before I left. He's like, I don't want you to think that you have to make a cake every time you come. But I'm like, well, obviously but, I do. Right? <laughs> because... The guilt you're quick to mouth. He's like, I'm not saying you got to do it, but you know, when you you get, you got to do it. (laughs) But at the same time, you got to make it happen. So anyways, um, I'm definitely the baker just for Memorial Day. uh, We were at uh, my Uncle Fraser's house and we did, uh, I think I made like a, it was like a Kentucky 
butter cake and it had like a mm. bourbon glaze on it, things like that. So I'm I'm usually the ultimate like baker for the family. So will we be seeing you on some like bake off shows or are you <laughs> no, are you joining any competitions? Like are you so the pound cake is your staple, but is there any other skill set you got under the no. hood? Maybe you can pull out the cat <laughs> Some yeah. recipes from grandma that we can't tell, but we can sort of kind of tell so I can write it down real quick. <laughs> so did you ever get the family cookbook that we had? No, we got a family cookbook. Oh my gosh, yes. And so, I took all the yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna yeah, definitely gonna have to have. that. There was two editions. So all of um the the sisters, like grandma Callie and all her sisters, all of their recipes are in it. I mean everything, like collard greens, macaroni and cheese. So Honestly, for years, like anytime you had to make like some heavy staple soul food, like it's always mm. like, mom, send me the link to the cookbook. Right. And mm. but it's um, they did it as a fundraiser for the family reunion. And so it's like two editions. And so that's like the go to uh, for any kind of like family recipe, which is honestly a blessing because most families don't have that documented. Especially right. as you, as the older generation starts to pass away, but yeah, it's a whole like two cookbooks just full of recipes of like everything from our family. Um, my dad is also a chef, so you know, like his style of just understanding food, um, which is really what kind of motivated me to do Black Restaurant Week. Just so his legacy, his um, uncle had. Uh, Benny Farrell's catering company and it, it was like in business like a catering business has had been open in Houston for like 60 years like they would cater for like Saudi Arabian princes and presidents like one of the premier black catering firms uh, and my dad he was a chef at um, a hotel uh, Stouffer's Hotel and like as well as the one of the largest hospitals down here and honestly his career is kind of what gave me the understanding that like, A, not every chef wants to be a restaurant owner. <laughs> um, and it's like, what is the platform, like I said, for everybody else, right? You know, we do this year over year, there's only so many restaurants, right? So it's like, how do you continue to grow the conversation? And so opening the door to the caterers and the private chefs and the bartenders and the food trucks, it just allows us to really tell the story of food so many different ways. And so um, the, it's definitely a lot of that inspiration as to why, you know, I, I even do the project. Awesome. Well, I think, what is that? The special recipe from like all the sisters, the Golden Girls, the... All the yeah, like you have to ask. I'm just so shocked. Uh, I think you didn't my, know. My, oh, <laughs> I think my mom and my dad probably know, but I don't know if it trickled down the down the vine or to me. They probably keeping it a secret because yeah, and it was like I think before we went out to college, my mom made sure me and my brother had a cookbook because it's like oh, I don't need you calling me asking me how right? to out there. Like go to the cookbook, but literally asked them about it because I tell you like. I mean, people's cookbooks are probably like old and rattly now because we've been using it since the 90s. But mm -hmm. it, it literally has everything you could think of uh, in there <laughs> from desserts to like side dishes to entrees, like from, you know, all the aunts and uncles and cousins of the family. Oh, I'm about to get busy. I'm really about to. Get, I can't wait. I'm actually about to probably look that up as soon as we get off of here. But um. <laughs> 
But no, thank you, um, Fallon. And I truly appreciate you coming on here and speaking with us. Uh, and I'm actually looking, what I'm really looking forward to is being your chauffeur for the week and going to all these events VIP status since you the hookup and the plug, sneaking <laughs> in behind the red velvet rope. So um, like she said, everyone who was listening, she... Uh, one of the CEOs and owners of the Black Restaurant Week business that they have going on. Again, they have three big mixers going on. On Tuesday, uh, July 19th, they'll be at the Delegate in D.C. Uh, Wednesday, July 20th, they'll be at the All Set Restaurant and Bar, which is up in Silver Springs, Maryland. And then the third mixer of this trio will be the Psalm Sonnets and Sangria is an open mic night at the Serenity Wine Bar up in Baltimore, Maryland. So if you all have a chance, please go to our website, go to our social medias. We'll be posting it everywhere so you guys can come out and support and connect and network and fellowship with literally everyone. That's what she's going for. And that's what we look forward to do here. Um, and just to kind of before we depart, uh, Fallon, we do this thing where we kind of close out with our serenity prayer and give a closing out. So I'm going to read this off real quick to everybody and we're just going to close it out. That's cool with you? Yeah. All right. So it goes as such. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And with that, two fingers, peace and love, two fingers, two up, two down, two fingers, deuces, we out. Thank you. <laughs>